edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I've been spending the last few days trying to figure out what is going to happen for the Washington Commanders in the first round of the NFL Draft, not to mention the picks before Washington goes, Washington's options after the, the first round. It's It's a confusing time in the NFL world. Uh, as you've been hearing from me and from others discuss this situation, it is an incredibly confusing time right now in terms of trying to project what is going to happen. And you got to figure out the first 10 picks before you can really say for sure what Washington will be looking at. And as it stands right now, I've just gotten off the phone today with some more sources, including uh, executives from around uh, for, for, for certain teams. And it is a pretty, it is pretty challenging even for the, for the professionals right now to know what is going to happen. Um, my plan here, though I'll have another podcast up this week to break down further what's going on as best I can, lay out more of a empty the notebook type situation. But on this podcast, I've got a really fun one here. My guest, Evan Silva from Establish the Run uh, website. We have had sort of an annual tradition the last few years, Evan and I, where we've been doing a mock draft alternating picks we did that over the weekend. He got the odds. I got the evens. So you're going to hear a different voice discuss what what Washington should do beyond just me. I may have said a couple words about that as well. Um, it was a lot of fun per usual with Evan. He's a, he's a great thinker. We have both won the Nat, the Huddle Reports National Mock Draft. So, you know, I think that's about as noticeable as as you can get for these types of situations. So a fun chat. I'm excited to play it for you guys here in a moment on the standard room only podcast, which of course you can find on iTunes or Spotify or the athletic app. If you're an iTunes person, definitely appreciate you dropping a rating and review. Um, so we'll get to that. Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew are going to speak Monday afternoon out at the facility. So I will be out there for that. We'll get to, some of those thoughts in the subsequent podcast. Of course, I'll be writing about that on The Athletic. But I wanted today to just sort of do a little quick reset here and kind of where we're at with pick 11 and go into some different options because we've, you know, as we've been discussing, it's kind of the same names over and over again. If Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, slips, that seems like a very strong possibility for Washington. If USC wide receiver Drake London is there, he too seems like a very strong possibility for Washington. Those two are the players that I have sort of one, you know, one A, one B in some order with regards to the best bets, I think, for what Washington is likely to do. And part of why that's the case is there is only so many ways that they can go in terms of positions. Like we could we could debate other receivers, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave from Ohio State, or Jamison Williams uh, from from Alabama, and and what those moves would mean. We could, I guess, get into Derek Stingley, uh, a cornerback from LSU, but it does kind of feel to me like he's actually not going to be on the board at this point. I don't know if I'm buying the talk of Houston at number three taking Stingley, but I do be, believe that other teams ahead of Washington would get him, which would mean. The top two corners off the board with Sauce Gardner likely to go on as well. And this is where it gets interesting. Like, what else can Washington do besides take a receiver or Kyle Hamilton? What if Hamilton's gone? What if they decide, as we've talked about here a lot, we've got Terry McLaurin, we've got Curtis Samuel, we think De'Ami Brown is going to uh, have, we still believe in De'Ami Brown, just to say, we re-signed Cam Sims, we have two running backs who can act as wide receivers when we need it. We don't really need to speed the 11th pick on a receiver. Okay, but then what? Beyond a trade down, what can you do? I wanted to go through a couple scenarios here on that front. Uh, and and this is sort of the basis for a little bit of a, something I'll have up Monday morning on The Athletic. They asked us to do sort of a big board for each of, your, each of our teams, what we think it would be. And I added some names there. One of them, Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle uh, who is probably going to be the first interior defensive lineman off the board, we think. Um, and he, his range is, I would say, probably anywhere from 
Houston at 13, you know, down to the, you know, late teens or somewhere, you know, somewhere in that range. He's a monster in the middle, run stuffer, you know, incredible athlete for a guy that weighs 340 pounds, give or take, you know, his 40 time is spectacular. He may only be a two down player. I think that's something that teams are having to weigh. But the larger point is, wait, why would Washington, of course, go go for a guy when you have John Allen and Deron Payne? Well, as I've been discussing here, you know, the Deron Payne thing, until there's a resolution or even a sign of a resolution, you know, you've got to, I think, kind of assume that, you know, we could be looking at the last year for Deron Payne in Washington, because at some point, how do you keep paying everybody? As we know, Terry McLaurin is... You know, we're talking about that extension a lot. Carson Wentz is there, so on and so on. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, their contracts are coming up, you know, um, for extensions over the next couple of years. And those won't be cheap, assuming that those guys bounce back off of a disappointing 2021 season. So what do you do? And even without, you know, even if you don't trade Deron Payne, you let him go in free agency for a compensatory third round pick, that type of thing. There, the depth behind behind Allen and Payne right now is kind of non-existent. Matt Ioannidis played 60% of the snaps last year. He's gone. Tim Settle's gone. I wouldn't draft a, a depth play at 11. But I am saying that between the fact that there is a rotation aspect to this and we don't really know where Deron Payne is at, I think it's something to consider uh, if they were to stay at 11. Trading down, that opens up obviously a lot more variables. What else could they do at 11? Well, I think offensive line, I think if all things were equal and they were, and we put up all their need position, their need areas, and said there was a viable prospect at each spot at 11, I kind of think offensive line might be where they would go. Because, uh, you know, again, no Trent Williams, no Brandon Scherf. That means there's no, you know, real true stud on the line for the first time since 2010. They have a viable starting lineup right now, but you know Andrew Norwell and West Schweitzer could basically be free agents after the year. Uh, Chase Ruye is a totally solid center. He's coming off though a leg injury, and uh, you know Sam Cosme looks like he he you know, I thought he played pretty pretty well last year, but he also missed a ton of games with injuries. And Charles Leno is totally solid at left tackle, but there's no, they, they could use more oomph on that line. You want to help Carson Wentz protect him. That's a good way to go, but there are no there are no guards really in the range of eleven. If you trade down, that opens things up for guys like Zion Johnson from Boston College or Kenyon Green from Texas A and M, which leads then to the question: Could you draft a tackle with the idea of maybe moving Sam Cosme inside? I, I randomly was talking to somebody over the weekend about the idea of Cosme playing guard, independent of what Washington does, like just the hypothetical concept and. They seem to say that it, it would make some sense for them. If you look at Sam Cosme's arm length, it is shorter than basically all the other top tackles in this draft class. Uh, so, you know, that might like just from that one perspective alone might mean he could hypothetically be a good fit inside. Um, or at least that would be a way to sort of offset, you know, his arm length. I'm not suggesting they're going to do this. But what I am saying is that if they are sitting there and they're like, we don't want to take receiver. Kyle Hamilton's not there. The, the best players on our board are offensive linemen like Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. Could you do that and move Cosby inside? I don't think it's inconceivable. I wouldn't say, again, I'm not saying this is on top of my list. Neither is Jordan Davis. But I do think it's something you've got to consider because they should be considering all these options. It's, you know, that's just the reality. Now, as for the quarterback, I'm remaining pretty firm in that front. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I, I'm of the opinion that no quarterback will be picked before Washington goes, unless somebody trades into the top ten. I don't. I, I'm. I, I. I'll do a final mock draft, of course, in a few days. But I, I'm not going to right now give Carolina a quarterback at six. I'm not going to give one to Atlanta. I'm not going to give one to Seattle. That could put Washington in a good position for a trade down if somebody says, okay, we want to jump ahead of the Saints, um, you know, at uh, 16, you know, a bidding war, perhaps something to consider. But I, I'm not completely 
Uh, I, anyway, I'm not buying it for Washington in the, in round one. Regardless, after that, we can we can have a conversation uh, about that. As for cornerback, I would say that uh, Trent McDuffie, the cornerback from Washington, I've got him probably looking like a good a good option for Minnesota at 12. But if Washington, the Commanders, want a cornerback, he he's going to be sitting there at probably as the third corner. Some people think he's better than Stingley. And that wouldn't be a bad way to go at all. It just is not a guy that we've talked about a ton. Position, yes. The person, no. Um, Devin Lloyd, linebacker out of Utah, a guy we have talked about for sure. It just doesn't feel that he's a guy, based on position and the player, that is going to be in the top half of the first round. But And also, as we know, Washington drafted a linebacker in the first round last year, and so on and so on. I, I still do kind of buy that they need to fill that uh, Buffalo nickel roll, maybe not first, but that may be a little more of the agenda uh, for, oh, again, a variety of reasons. So I wouldn't buy the Devin Lloyd pick at 11. Trade down, perhaps, but not at necessarily um, at 11. So I think those are some things to consider. Again, Kyle Hamilton, Drake London, if you're filling out mock drafts, you could probably feel pretty decent that you got to, you know, that those guys would be the option if there, but that's the big question. Will they be there? I'll get into more, like I said, as sort of as a notebook dump in the next podcast. I already have a, a, a fun interview done there for sure. So we'll get to all that. Beyond that, um, you know, I, I did earlier today, uh, or earlier tonight, I should say, I did go to the uh, memorial service for Dwayne Haskins at Bullis, uh, his uh, high school, his prep school in uh, Potomac, Maryland, uh, obviously a somber affair and, you know, the, what can you say? It's just all, all too sad and tragic. Um, from Washington, Dan Snyder was there. Tanya Snyder was there. Jason Wright, Doug Williams, Jonathan Allen was there. Chase Young was there. Uh, I was told Kendall Fuller was there, but I did not see him. Uh, Keith Ishmael was there. Uh, some others from the organization as well. Uh, Ohio State coach Ryan Day was there. Maryland coach Michael Oxley was there. Obviously, Dwayne played for Ryan Day at Ohio State, and Michael Oxley recruited Dwayne to Maryland initially before he uh, chose to go to Ohio State. Uh, and then, obviously, tons of friends and family from his life. So, you know, it was a nice it was it was a it was a nice event. I hope it was. I hope these last few days have been helpful for those who are who are grieving. Um, and you know, my best to everybody uh, and his friends and family for sure. Um, all right, so I think we'll just get to it here. Really fun one with Evan Silva, uh, some back and forth, a lot, some, some on the commanders for sure, but a lot about just the first round in general. And if you're into that, and I know you are, I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. And again, I've got more coming up here this week, Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew talking on Monday. So we'll get to that as well, but let's get to this. My conversation with Evan Silva doing a first round mock draft here on the standard groom only podcast. All right. As promised, joining me here on the podcast, now that we are officially in draft week, he's going to do a mock draft with me. This has become an annual tradition. We go back and forth with the picks. He is the great Evan Silva from Establish the Run at Evan Silva on Twitter. My guy, uh, good to see you. It's it's our time of year. How uh, how are things going there over in uh, Establish the Run land? Things are going great. Uh, we just put in a 40 to 1 on DraftKings uh, exact order bet. Trevon Walker goes number one to the Jags, Aiden Hutchinson, number two to the Lions, and Derek Stingley goes number three to the Texans, 40 to one. Um, it's probably not as good odds anymore, but I, this is one of my favorite bets that, that I've put in so far this year. We're, we're big into the betting, you know, and um, it, it, it's been a lot of fun, you know, and uh, it, it's, it's been actually, it's good to be back with you. One of my oldest friends in the industry, I mean, me and Ben, we were doing podcasts back back on blog talk radio, RIP in peace, you know, and so how, how far have we come? We're now doing video shows. Well, I guess this isn't a video, but what we can actually see each other, we can actually hear each other without screaming into the, the mic or, or whatever, our phones or whatever we were using back then or um, our Blackberries. But uh, yeah, man, and, and you've, you've obviously established yourself as one of the best mock drafters on the planet and let's crush this uh sure well look we we, we, <laughs> we both have won we both have won the huddle report i don't know how many other uh 
pre-draft mock drafts people can we'll, we'll have two people who can say that but we get to say that here um all right this won't be that complicated we're just going to go alternating picks evan's going to take the odd ones i'm going to take the evens this way evan gets to pick for the commanders i'm tired of hearing my own voice for yeah. them so that'll be fun and we're, we'll just alternate uh, analysis and then along the way we maybe we'll stop put a pin in something just to go into it a little bit further but without further ado you're on the clock the jacksonville jaguars have the first pick what do you got yeah, I think and I, I think uh, yeah, up to up exactly. But up top, you know, we don't have to really talk about the team needs. These teams stink. They have a ton of team needs. Trayvon Walker, I think that that's the way the wind is blowing right now. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Aiden Hutchinson, but I'm going to go with Trayvon Walker, which you can still get at plus 200 or, or somewhere in that range at most sports books. Um, and I, I think it's it, it's a fine bet. It's not the greatest bet, but I think it's a fine bet. But that's my bet for the Jaguars. Trent Volke loves the long-armed athletes. Um, I'm buying into that narrative. They absolutely need an ass, uh, 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 pass rusher uh, compliment to, to uh, Josh Allen on the other side. And I think that Trayvon Walker makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, totally get it. And, you know, I, I meant to even sort of make the comment at the top because I think I saw it when you did your mock draft the other day. You made the same comment, I believe, in your mock draft that I've made, that I've seen other people make. This draft is wildly unpredictable in ways I do not recall drafts being before. Typically, at least the first few picks, or at least you know a handful of picks in the top ten, you kind of have some feeling of the marriage of player to team. This year, even with the very first pick, because I actually don't think I would go with Trayvon Walker, which isn't to say it's the wrong pick. It's to say there's a lot of it's, it's a lot of unknown right now. Um, that said, I, I I buy the position, and for the Lions this is probably the best case scenario because not only could they use a pass rusher to get the kid from uh, the hometown kid, as it were uh, the university of Michigan products win-win for them. So I don't have to mess around with this Aiden Hutchinson defensive end for Michigan goes to the lions at number two. Number three is where I think it starts to get a little, little bit more. I, I think we're all, there's a, a level of consensus that Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker in some order that is not necessarily predictable, those guys are going to be the top two picks. There's at least a little bit of consensus there. And then I think at number three, it starts to get real tricky. The, the, the buzz on Derek Stingley has been really, really hot. And I know that this is not a popularly mocked pick, the Texans to take Derek Stingley, but I think so many indications point to them falling in love with him. Nick Cesario the GM comes from the Patriots. That's a team that really values and prioritizes defensive back play. Um, and Derek Stingley, I mean, he's checked out medically. He was the best corner in football, in college football, as a true freshman at LSU. Dealt with some injuries and some other stuff the last few years. But I think he's checked all the boxes during the pre-draft phase. And I, I like him to go number three to, to Houston. When you say that there's some buzz going, obviously at this point, I'm sure you yeah. talk to some people and you obviously are reading everything. Where, like, where, what are you seeing that makes you buy this buzz versus other buzz? Well, Lance Zierlein, um, who does a show with J Dane Brugler, it's a must listen if you are into uh, you know the NFL draft and trying to bet on it or or you know make predictions about it or try to figure out what's just just what's going to happen in the draft. Lance Zierlein is based in Houston. And has you know pretty good ties to the Texans organization. He has pointed out how the Texans have done a ton of work, like an overwhelming amount of work on Derek Stingley in particular. They may even prefer him to Ahmad Sauce Gardner at this point. And also Daniel Jeremiah has noted that Derek Stingley is like the hottest guy in the draft right now. Like these teams have he's he's done everything that the teams wanted, you know, to see from him during this pre-draft phase. And I know this is a, is a sleeper pick and I'm biased because of the bet that I just made, but Derek Stingley is a baller, you know, and, um, and, and they need a corner in Houston. And I, I think they're going to take a corner at three, a corner in O lineman. All right. So Derek Stingley goes third. This leaves me an interesting scenario with the jets because um, I've been typically leaning towards sauce Gardner. If the three defensive ends, including Kayvon Thibodeau were off the board, but Thibodeau is still there. I, I know there's like sort of up and down with his range and Gardner maybe feels like a little safer pick, but I don't know with, with the pass rusher, you know, the, always lean that way when there's sort of a debate. So 
Knowing the Jets have a pick at 10, maybe I get lucky that Gardner slips. Probably not. I don't think Thibodeau will be there. So give me Kayvon Thibodeau to the Jets at four. Uh, but I do like Gardner, but I'll go Thibodeau at four for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, the word is that the Jets aren't going to take a corner this high. Maybe they will at 10, or maybe they would at 10 if the right guy falls to them. But the word is that they are not going to do that at four. Um they just, in Robert Sala's defense, they don't value corners that highly. They do need help at the position, but they need help. Again, they're one of these teams drafting up real high. They need a lot of help. Right. And I think Kayvon Thibodeau makes a lot of sense logically. Number five, the Giants, I think they are going to pull the trigger on Ahmad Sauce Gardner. And I think that they got, they got to do it right here. Uh, if not, they could get jumped. Teams love uh, Sauce Gardner for you know a, a ton of you know great reasons he's a great kid long arms never allowed a touchdown pass in uh, in his college career and so I, I think they need to take him here plug and play player in wink martindale's defense wink martindale comes from the rex ryan school antonio Cromartie is one of the players that sauce gardner has drawn a lot of comparisons to antonio Cromartie obviously was a star for rex ryan uh just just a, a plug and play starter here for the giants I think, I think that's a, a, the right call there based on this board for sure. All right, I think this pick is one of the pivot points in the draft, and I'm curious to see if we have a disagreement on here. Obviously, the Panthers are picking at six, and when we talk about quarterback going in the first round, this is or in the top ten, I should say, this is where everybody points to. Mm-hmm. We all kind of get the narrative. Matt Rule kind of needs to win this year. They clearly are thrilled with what they've got at Sam Darnold. The owner has tried every which way to get a, a quarterback upgrade. They keep striking out. This is an easy opportunity to take a guy right here that you want and move on. And I don't buy it. The reason I'm not buying this is if the if they need to win this year, the rookie quarterback is not going to help. Now, I right. get it that, that, that Matt Rule knows Kenny Pickett. They, he recruited him when he was at Temple. And I get that Malik Willis may have the most upside and all that. But if everybody's right that Malik Willis needs a year, that's not helping you this year. And Kenny Pickett, I mean, I'm not saying he's can't be a good quarterback. I just it doesn't seem like there's much upside there. If I'm the Panthers, I'm going to either get Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm using this pick to fortify my roster elsewhere. Worst case, I bottom out and I go get Bryce Young next year or something like that. So for the Panthers at six, I'm going to the guy who I still think has got a slight chance to be the first pick in the draft, and that's Evan Neal, offensive lineman from Alabama. What are you, where are you at on the quarterback with the Panthers? No, I'm, I'm right with you. I love the way that you kind of set that up. Um, I, I agree with pretty much all your thoughts there. And I think they're going to take an offensive lineman here. If they can't trade out, I think they would obviously prefer to trade out. They don't have a second and third round pick. Right. Um, and, but we're not doing trades here. So I don't know, unless you want to get, you know, nifty, maybe toward the end of the, the first round, but I, I, I didn't build in any trades. No, no, I mean, of, for, uh, we're, 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 you know, we, we, our brains are already working overtime here. Right. We don't need to complicate it. But yes, I'm, exactly. I'm with you. If, um, yeah. you know, especially. Oh, I, mean, I, I and I think it could be a Quanu too. I mean, sure. I think it could be him or Evan Neal. You know, and there's actually been a lot of smoke of uh, from uh, of them taking Charles Cross as well, who's who is who I'm going to take at number seven for the Giants. Brian Dayball comes in. He loves to throw the piss out of the ball, and he wants a pass protector extraordinaire. I'm going to take Charles cross here at number seven for the giants line him up across from Andrew Thomas. And you've got your stud bookend tackles for at least the next three years. Uh, I definitely like the giants taking an offensive lineman uh, cross is uh, is an interesting way to go. It's, even these offensive linemen, typically they're the, like the most solid players you can draft high. You even hear people saying, is Evan Neal more of a guard? Is, is Aquanu more of a guard? It's Cross does feel like the one that people are saying that he's a tackle, but he still typically ranks below those guys. So it's interesting, uh, interesting call. I do like that. Either way, I like the Giants taking the linemen. Um, okay, so here's another team, Falcons at eight. I could easily go with the quarterback here, but I'm going with the same mindset. Atlanta's taken – they know they're tanking this year, basically. They traded Matt Ryan. They took the cap hit. They're not, they're not, they're not winning this year. They're fine with that. They're going to go, I'm sure towards the bottom, they'll deal with the quarterback next year. So the question for, or at least I think so. Therefore the question for me is what building block am I adding 
Aquanu is still on this board. Uh, we got here. All the receivers are on the board. So is Jermaine Johnson, and the Falcons were um, last in the league in 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 uh, sacks last year. I, I'm going to lean towards this positional value here, and I'm going to go with Jermaine Johnson. I just I, I get receiver, but they can get receiver in the second round. They've got I think two yeah. second round picks, so I'm going to go with the pass rusher here and we'll go with Jermaine Johnson, Florida State to the Falcons yeah. at eight. I like it, and you know, there's been a lot of buzz about them taking a, a wide receiver. I mean, they, they might be the neediest. They're picking at eight, but they might be more needy than the team's picking at one, two, three. I mean, the, the Falcons need help everywhere. I think having a building, bro- building block pass rush, they haven't been able to r- rush the passer in years. So I think that makes sense for them. At number nine, the Seahawks have not re-signed Dwayne Brown. They need to take an offensive lineman here. Um, you know, I, th- I think that they will consider quarterback they have a, a, a good number of picks after the Russell Wilson trade, but I, I, and I th- but I think that they might try to catch one falling a little bit later. They absolutely need offensive line help. They love to run the ball. You know, I think it could be a big year for Rashad Penny in terms of carries. You know, Chris Carson, uh, his, his injury, his recovery from his, his neck injury has not gone smoothly, I don't think, based on the comments coming from the team. Iki Aquanu is the pick here at number nine out of NC State. Hard to argue. I think Russell Wilson can, uh, agrees with the uh, with with the pick, even if he's not there anymore. Um, <laughs> all right. So number ten, the Jets are again on the clock. They we, I gave them Kayvon Thibodeau at four. I could easily go defense, and Kyle Hamilton is still sitting here. But I, I do kind of buy the idea that, like you know, to help Zach Wilson, one way is to get him a, a receiver. Now again, the Jets have two second round picks, so they can whatever they don't do here, they can do in the second round but I'm going to lean towards the helping Wilson here, uh, Zach Wilson. And by that, I mean, I'm going to draft Garrett Wilson, Ohio state wide receiver, big yak potential here, smaller guy, but he's just a playmaker can line the ball over the place. Um, I'll go Garrett Wilson wide receiver for Ohio state. I like it. And it's really a dream scenario for the jets, you know, um, come out of the, out of the top four and then coming to coming to pick number 10 and having their pick of the litter, among the wide receivers, I'm with you. I think they're going to take a, a, a wide receiver. They might take one as early as four, but I think it's probably more likely that they take one at 10. It could be Garrett Wilson. It could be Jamison Williams. Garrett Wilson is highest on Daniel Jeremiah's board, and Daniel Jeremiah is boys with Joe Douglas, the Jets GM. So I think this makes a ton of sense, Garrett Wilson at number 10. Number 11 you know, I guess this is kind of a chalk pick here. I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton. Um, it, it seems like there is somewhat of a, a slight consensus building that Washington is really interested or that Washington would take Kyle Hamilton if he falls to this uh, position. Of course, you're more, much more plugged in onto that beat than I am. What do you think about the Kyle Hamilton-Washington connection? So I, I just to... I would start it with the receiver thought and everybody's sort okay. of pointing to receiver, which I understand, like other than Terry McLaurin, they haven't had anybody consistently you know, productive during his time. You want to give Carson Wentz some more help, all that stuff. I get it, but I still kind of don't know if I buy it that they want to do that. Curtis Samuel was a disaster last year, but in theory, he'll be back. Mm-hmm. I know they still like Deami Brown, their third round pick, who just kind of had a wasted rookie season. They retained Cam Sims. They have two running backs, Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, who can be lined out at receiver as needed. I think, and, you know, I, I feel like they would rather probably not go that route, but they've also scouted the receivers, and the board may just line up that way, that, it, that that's the way it goes. But if Hamilton is there, the position that they're missing on defense, their, their starting lineup is basically set, except for that, what they call the Buffalo nickel, that, that you know, that fifth defensive back slash uh-huh. third linebacker. He's kind of a perfect fit uh, if you, if they if they feel committed to game planning with him every week because you kind of have to from what everybody says, then I think it makes a ton of sense. And again, receivers you can get later on. That's even if they want to take one as high here. So you could go Drake London here. I wouldn't really yell at them, but I'm with you. I think Kyle Hamlin is what I would do. Um, all right. So we're through 11 picks up to number 12. Boy, the Vikings have got to be a little bit annoyed here. The top two cornerbacks are gone. Jermaine mm-hmm. Johnson is gone. I kind of would have been looking at any of those guys 
for them. They're not going to take receiver, mm-hmm. I wouldn't think. So, you know, I guess maybe this is a, a, a tick earlier than I would have liked, but I think Trent McDuffie from Washington is he's almost like overlooked because the top two corners have gotten so much attention, but I think he's got a lot of fans out there. Some think he's even a little bit better than Stingley, or at least they did before Stingley's pro day. So I'm going to go Trent Duffy, cornerback, Washington to the Vikings at 12. I like it. I like it. He's a rock solid pick. I mean, and I, I think that they, they could, and they've had problems covering the slot. I think he could step in and start in the slot right away. Uh, number 13, the Texans who already have drafted Derek Stingley. I'm going to have them taking Jamison Williams here. You know, Davis Mills is a guy that I, I, I hated that pick at the time because it seemed so inevitable that he either wouldn't get on the field or that if he would, he would struggle. I mean, he only started 11 games in his entire college career. And, and then it just seemed inevitable that they would be picking very high in the 2022 draft and they would just take a quarterback. But as it turns out, no quarterbacks are worthy of, of these, these top 13 picks and no quarterbacks have gone in our mock. And um, Davis Mills played pretty darn well. He kept getting better as the season progressed. I, I was even playing him in DFS a little bit uh, as, the, uh, as the season wound down. I mean, and he can run a little bit. Um, they need more weapons around. They, they did just extend Brandon Cooks, but they need more weapons. And I think Jamison Williams has a very good chance to be the best receiver in the draft. I keep saying, or I keep seeing that, Jamison Williams might not be ready until like November or, or October, but I, there have also been reports that he could be ready by training camp. I mean, dudes are recovering from ACL injuries faster than ever. He's four months out at this point. It seems like he's gotten the, you know, he's, he's checked all the boxes in, in terms of his, um, the medical reports and, and his progress in his rehab. I think it'd be an awesome pick for the Texans. A lot of speed with Jamison Williams opposite Brandon Cooks and even Nico Collins um, a player who uh, flashed some potential as a rookie. What I also like about this marriage is if it is a slower recovery than desired, good. Houston is going nowhere. This is a good team. Whereas like say Washington at 11, they're trying to win this year. And I know this may be short-sighted thinking, but you know, the, p- people's jobs are at stake. Houston in theory, th- this is, a, they're going bigger picture. So I think waiting on a guy, if they have to makes a lot of sense. All right, the Ravens are up at 14. Could go a lot of different directions here. Uh, Could go offensive line, even though the top three tackles are off the board. Uh, Cornerback would have been a possibility, but the top three guys are gone, so I feel like that's kind of um, a way. Uh, You got Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia, makes sense. They want a pass rusher. So George Carroll Flytus, if if I'm saying that right, from Purdue. Uh, I could kind of go with any of these players, but I guess give me... Uh, give me I don't know I, I feel like I've seen this guy's value everywhere but give me Carol Flytus I just feel like the pass rusher is kind of their bigger thing and uh, you know I've seen him picked sort of in this range of, of, from some people maybe it's a, t- a tick high but it just feels like that's a position they've been trying to get so let me just give it to them uh the Ravens taking the pass rusher at 14. All right. I like I like the way that you uh, pronounce I think it's Carl Laftis uh, well, but Carol Flytus sounds better so let's just go with that. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Um, All right. Well, yeah. You're up at 15 Eagles, the first of their two first-round picks. Yeah, and we're going to go – we got some players here. we got some players that we could take. Uh, Jordan Davis out of Georgia, I think, to a great extent, fits what they like to do in Philadelphia on the interior of their defense. But I think I'm going to go with Drake London, London here. And I think he's a big slide. I saw some comparisons of, of, of him to Mike Evans early in the process. I don't think he's that type of player. I think he's more Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas kind of player and a player that can like elevate the efficiency of Jalen Mills and just be a big target in the middle of the field with Devontae Smith on the outside. I think they still might, uh, or they're, they're still hoping to trade Jalen Rager and move on from that. Um, but I think Drake London fits a lot of what they need in Philadelphia to give Jalen Mills uh, a, a, a better uh, chance to succeed. Jalen Hurts. I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts. Jalen yeah. Mills is an old defensive back for Philadelphia. Yeah. Jalen Hurts, yes. All, all good. Yeah, no, I, I like the London-Devontae Smith pairing, you know, the, the, short, the short guy with the speed and the tall guy. 
with the contested catch capability uh, makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a, you know, I've been mostly looking at London as a guy going either 10 to the Jets or 11 to Washington. So 15 to the Eagles, I think would be a really good call for them. Um, all right. The Saints, the first of their two first round picks. It's still interesting that they made this trade for the Eagles you know, where they got an extra first this year. Everybody's mm-hmm. wondering, what does this mean? Does this mean they're going for a quarterback? All the quarterbacks are still on the board. I, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking it means they're trying to win now and they wanted extra, extra talent. They have two legit NFL quarterbacks and James, James Winston and Andy Dalton, not saying either one of them is the long-term answer, but they have two guys you can play with now. So I don't know what the, the rookie's doing. So they lost, obviously, uh, their left tackle. So give me Trevor Penning, offensive tackle, yep. Northern Iowa. Yep. I think it makes a ton of sense. Really physical player. I, I like him even for the Ravens at 14. Um, if the ball, if the, the board falls a little different, he reminds me a little of Marshall Yanda, that kind of a player. He's nasty, nasty dude. Um, but I like that pick. So now we are on to pick number 17. <sighs> Again, you know what? This is where Jordan Davis goes. And if you remember last year, the Chargers run defense was so bad. And they did pour some resources into it this offseason. They signed a couple of guys, Austin Johnson, uh, you know, big 320-pounder. But Jordan Davis just is – he's an absolute space eater in the middle. And he's also a guy who can get upfield, at least based on his athletic traits, that he has the potential to be, you know, somewhat of a pocket-pushing penetrator, maybe a Vita Vea type at his ceiling. Um, and so I think they kind of double down after investing some resources in free agency to this position, should just shore it up because the run defense was so bad. Like you, you can have, you can manage a poor run defense, but it just got so bad. It just fell off a cliff last year. And it was, it, it was devastating really to, to them uh, as a team. So let, let's, let's fix that. Jordan Davis, the massive space eater out of Georgia. Yeah, I, li- I like it. That, the, I, as I said at the top, I don't feel great about any of these player-to-team marriages, but mm-hmm. relatively speaking, the Jordan Davis to the Chargers, this seems to make sense you know, rel- when you get down to board, and, and it just feels like a good a good combination for both, uh, both involved, unless like one of the offensive tackles is still there. All right, the Eagles are back on the clock at 18. Of course, they we just ha- gave them Drake London, and like part of me kind of wishes we hadn't just gone receiver because Chris Olave is still on the board. Traylon Burks is still on the board and I'm not quite sure what I like for the Eagles at this point. There's no, the cornerbacks are, are basically gone unless I want to reach a little bit for a Daxton Hill or Andrew Booth. They don't ever take a linebacker, right? I mean, that's not the whole running joke with the Eagles that they just literally never do this. It is, but you know, that was a running joke for the Browns because analytically it says you don't want to invest big time resources into linebackers. Right. But, but then the Browns traded up for Jeremiah, Karamoa last year and he was a huge difference maker I mean they get you know we and we know this uh from uh fantasy they would get gashed by tight ends every single year start your tight end you know line up your tight end and DFS whenever they're playing the Browns you know even even DraftKings caught on to it they started pricing up the tight ends whenever they would play the Browns you know but then all of a sudden uh Uusu uh, Karamoa comes in they trade up for him in, in what was it the early second round last year and he made a difference immediately so I wonder if the, if the Eagles could learn from the Browns you know Andrew Barry used to work in the Eagles organization yeah well and, and like I said based on this board I just don't know where else I really want to go for the Eagles right. unless I'm going to look to trade so you know Devin Lloyd I know our guy Dane Brugler has him as like I think his ninth player on the board I know others are big fans as well so we'll just go for the for the need even if history says they won't they won't do this we'll yeah. give we'll give the eagles uh utah linebacker devin lloyd at number 18 putting the saints back on the clock having just taken right. trevor penning at 16 yeah. and and i'm tempted to take a quarterback here i'm really tempted to take a quarterback here however i don't think they're gonna and i know for a fact that the saints love chris olave so we're going to add that to this receiver core that is still very much in flux. They had one of the worst receiver cores in the NFL last year, and they are getting back Michael Thomas in theory, although he, he has been, had problems with the organization. So we, we, I don't think, even think we can count on Michael Thomas at this point. We need to upgrade the receiver position. You know, we need to get a guy with speed to be able to maximize 
Jameis Winston's big arm, Chris Olave out of Ohio State. All right, we're now to number 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let me ask you this just quickly. Uh, obviously, the Steelers have been in the quarterback discussion all offseason. I saw Mike Tomlin at Malik Willis's pro day, and he's been, he was at other ones. Makes a ton of sense. I mean, not only did Roethlisberger retire, they're in a division now with Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow. You can't just go in here with Mitch Trubisky as the long-term plan. You need to find something. That said, you know, none of the question is, are any of these quarterbacks that exciting? Do you have a quarterback in this class that you just absolutely like, or are you kind of ambivalent no. across the board? No, I don't like any of them, uh, to be perfectly frank. I, I kind of like Matt Corral a little bit, but there are a lot of red flags there with him. I mean, I get the appeal and the downside with all of them. And I, I think that they all, and I, I think this mock is going to end up being correct in turn in, uh, from the standpoint that the quarterbacks are just, they're not going to go early that they're going to, they're going to go in the back half of the first round toward like, you know, the forties, you know, I think that that's where all these guys are going to go. There's about five of them. And I think they're all going to go like from picks 16 through 50. Yeah. I, I kind of with you, like, I would rather draft like, like I don't buy Washington would take one at 11, but like I right. kind of, I would, I wouldn't mind Sam Howell at 47. and would rather have that than say Kenny Pickett in the top 20 somewhere. Yeah. Like I would rather the value um, in that regard. All right. That said, the Steelers need a quarterback, uh, you know, they got to go somewhere. Kevin Colbert's swan song is to give his replacement a quarterback. So they've got Trubisky for the moment. They can wait a little bit on uh, Malik Willis. They go for the upside and take Liberty quarterback Malik Willis at number 20. I like it. I mean, the, the Steelers just have a tendency to telegraph their picks. And it's we, we've been hearing buzz since very early in the process that the Steelers love Malik Willis. Mike Tomlin loves him. You know, the, the narrative of Kevin Colbert leaving the organization in his final draft as the Steelers GM, leaving them with a young quarterback to build, sort of like Ozzie Newsom their longtime division rival did in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. I, yeah, I I'm going to have Malik Willis to the Steelers at 20 in my final mock draft for sure. (laughs) So, and and just to, just to sort of quickly set for, for, for the audience as well as for us, here's some names who are still on the board. Yep. Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh quarterback still there. Uh, Traylon Burks wide receiver from Arkansas. You got Andrew Booth cornerback from Clemson, Mm -hmm. Kobe Dean linebacker from Georgia, You've got um, who else is that is out here? De- Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle from Georgia mm-hmm. as well. So those are some of the guys that are still out there with the Patriots on the clock at 21. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Andrew Booth here. Uh, the Steelers, I'm sorry, the Patriots are a team that has absolutely prioritized cornerback. They were unable to come to terms with J.C. Jackson. That's a big loss for them. Um, but they have used, you know, uh, very early draft capital on cornerbacks in the past. They've paid cornerbacks like Stefan Gilmore before, um, and, and they need cornerback help. And Andrew Booth uh, is coming off sports hernia surgery, which some people have speculated could hurt his draft status or his, his draft stock. But that's typically a pretty routine recovery, sports hernia surgery. You can get over that, especially as a super young player you know, in the matter of four to six weeks. So I think he'll be ready for training camp. And I think he'll start day one in new England, Andrew, Andrew Booth, cornerback Clemson. All right. Um, I'll be curious to see if some team picking a little bit later in the draft wants to call up new England, a team that that doesn't mind trading down and getting more picks and saying, Hey, we'd like to get to 21 because we want to jump green Bay. We think everybody, well, I know green Bay's history is not taking a receiver, but based on the world we're living in now where Aaron Rodgers seems to have maybe a little bit more say in the deliberations and we know they need a receiver feels like a pretty easy call here that they would take one and Traylon Burks from Arkansas. I feel like is a guy that they have some interest in. So I I'm going to just make this pretty simple Traylon Burks wide receiver uh, Arkansas going to the Packers at 22. I like it reminds me a lot of Alshon Jeffrey. And also I think a player that can help replace some of that, uh, that old screen game stuff that Devontae Adams did. Devontae Adams caught a ton of screens and Traylon Burks caught a ton of screens at Arkansas. Um, I think he can re- help replace a lot of that production. The Cardinals, you know, this is interesting because of the Kyler Murray situation. You know, are they going to end up trading him? 
extending him? Is he just going to end up holding out? There have even been some whispers that they might consider taking a quarterback in this draft. Um, so, and I don't, I don't think that would be crazy. But in this instance, you know, they lost Chandler Jones. I really want to give him a pass rusher. The thing is that this, we're, we're, this draft, our, our little mock draft here is kind of showing that the, although there are a ton of great edge rushers, like they, they're going to go early, man. They're going to go fast. These teams love edge pass rushers, and I, and I totally understand it. I think the next best edge rusher is Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. Total freak. Uh, at the combine, ran 4-5-3, 38-inch vertical at 6'4", 261. Boye Mafe, edge, Minnesota to Arizona at number 23. Okay. And, and I wouldn't say that, that it wouldn't stun me if he's a first-round pick, but maybe that's the first name here we've done where less consensus that the guy yeah. is going to be in round one. But, yeah, it's a premium position type deal. That's why I took – what are we saying the guy's name was? Karloftis? That's how I went with Carl Loftus <laughs> a little bit higher because it's it, if you want this guy that you're going to have to pay up to get it. Uh, this brings us to the Cowboys at 24. Traylon Burks is off the board. I kind of maybe would have leaned in that direction. Boy, you know, for years and years, the Dallas Cowboys strength was their offensive line. We are far removed from that, but I think they've got to figure out ways to get back there. A couple different options they could go here, but Zion Johnson from Boston College guy can play multiple positions sounds like he's one of these you know locker future locker room leader types as well so I'm gonna go with Zion Johnson guard from Boston College to the Cowboys at 24. I love it and this is the guy that I had in my in uh, my latest mock draft going to Dallas Brian brought us one of the better follows for uh the uh that covers the Cowboys he like always has an in uh in terms of the Cowboys draft board and he said on Twitter that the Cowboys love Zion Johnson and the Cowboys have had success taking offensive linemen out of um, Boston college in the past. Connor Williams is gone. Lyle Collins is gone. Tyron Smith and Zach Martin are both on their career back nines. I think this is a, a great pick. And I think in my final mock, I will sort of try to get Zion Johnson uh, to stay in that number 24 spot, number 25, the bills, and they could go in a lot of different directions they're, they're really a complete team. A lot of people say, oh, they should they need to take Brees Hall. He's the, you know, he's the final uh, domino. I disagree with that. And I think that they organizationally would not agree with that. They're a good process team. And we've seen over and over and over that paying running backs, using first round picks on running backs, that's a bad process uh, approach, period. And they're a good process team. So I don't think they're going to do that. If they did, it wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think they are. And so I think we're, we're going to go corner here. Kyler Gordon out of Washington. Buda Baker, Marcus Peters, Byron Murphy, Desmond Trufant, Sidney Jones, Taylor Rapp, Elijah Molden. The University of Washington has, produ has been producing defensive backs at an, at an alarmingly prolific rate. And these guys have been hits, you know, from the first round to the fifth round. And in this instance, they get the best cornerback from the University of Washington, Washington uh, to start right away in their secondary. Uh, I like the I, I like the thought process there. I'm with you on the running back scenario. I mean, maybe it's just general bias, and it you know it just takes them to be really particularly like Brees Hall, as we know here in Washington. They tried to get a, uh, you know that that quick uh, quick back with J.D. McKissick, so we know they have an interest in some guy like that. But it just you know it always feels like you can get running backs further down the road and they've got some other considerations there. Um, it brings me to the Titans at 26. I have wanted to give the Titans a quarterback all this whole process. Not that Ryan Tannehill is indecent, but we saw in the playoffs, you know, he just, he, he may just, his ceiling just may be too low to compete in a world where uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow live and the Titans are, you know, pretty good across the board, except for that. Now the question is, does Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter move the needle for you? I, I guess I'm just going to probably say no, but I'm really tempted to give one of them here. Instead, I kind of might have gone for uh, for one of these cornerbacks, but you just took a couple of them off the board. Uh, Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa is still there, but I don't. I feel like this is a good draft for, for interior lines, so maybe I'll wait 
Instead, I know he's had some, there's some questions about his draft status with some teams because of some off the field stuff, but give me Devontae Wyatt, the defensive tackle from Georgia. I think that that, that's a a need area uh, for the Titans. And, you know, it's something that could impact this team right off the bat if he's uh, good to go. So give me uh, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle Georgia at 26. I think it's a good pick from a real life football standpoint, but I'm uh, very sad that you did not give them Kenny Pickett because that's one of the long shot props that we put out. We put it out at like 30 to one or something, the Titans to take Kenny Pickett. I, so. I, 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 I mean, look, Look, wait, wait, this is this is our world. I, I'm more than happy. I mean, that was like I said right at the top. I was. I was I'm not tempted. trying to get you to change it. No, no, no. I mean, look, I'm 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 not like that wedded to this pick, and I am a little concerned to be honest about the Devonte Wyatt stuff that you hear. Obviously, yeah. there are some questions about whether he's going to get you know picked in the first round at this point or not. Look, we can make a, we can make a unit. We can make a decision here. I'm I'm if, if if it helps put out good karma into the world for your pick, I'm happy to switch it to Kenny Pickett. Would you like to do that to 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 you know put it out into the universe as the kids say and uh, uh, try to manifest it? I'm I'm down with well, that. Well, I would like that, but right. let's not. No, we don't, we don't have to do that. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it to Devontae Wyatt. But okay. like I said, okay. I really want to give them a quarterback. I just yeah, I know I just uh, and they can save twenty million. Uh, by uh, moving on from Tannehill next year. So, yeah, I think it'll be a real possibility, but I, I think that this is probably, I mean, they're, they're a, a compete in, you know, win now team. They just won. What did they have the number one? Seed they were the one seed with Derrick Henry. Henry out most of the year. So that's yeah. the thing. They're right there. That's the thing. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't feel like you want to wait a year for them. If I, if I were them, I right. would, especially for a right. guy with limited upside and pick it or so that's what people seem to yeah. think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In my, uh, in my latest mock, I had um, Matt Corral going to Tennessee. Um, but either way, all right, let's move on. Bucks number 27, Tulsa offensive lineman, Tyler Smith, the Bucks lost Ali Marpet to retirement, Alex Kappa to the Bengals. Um, Tristan Wirfs, uh, I think of, uh, will eventually supplant Donovan Smith on the Bucks bl- blind side uh, on Tom Brady or whoever the quarterback will be at that time on the blind side and Tyler Smith would move in and maybe start a guard right away and eventually become the bookend tackle for Tristan Wirfs. I, I, I like it. And you know, this is that we, we've now reached a point where, you know, you can see the Evans last three picks. I think you, other, you look at other people's mocks and they wouldn't necessarily even have these guys in the first round, which isn't to say these are wrong picks. It's just to say we've reached a point where, the difference between somebody who's getting picked yeah. at 25 and 45 exactly. is not going to be that dramatic. It's just the eye of the beholder yeah. type stuff. Um, and Tyler, Smith that's has- one thing that, that uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks have talked about on the movie, uh, uh, move the sticks podcast is that, you know, th- there's somewhat of a consensus about the top 20 or so players, but then from like 27 to 50, it's like, just throw them in a hat and, you know, start picking out names. It's, it's, it's all the guy. I mean, you know, there, there could be some, this is what's going to really determine the mock draft accuracy stuff this year, man, is going to be, can, can you figure out who the first round picks are going to be? Not necessarily even the player to team matches, which of course they're critical, but can you figure out, you know, who's that player that seems to be, you know, number 47 in the, the mainstream draft media that winds up going in the first round that nobody's gotten there, you know, as a first round pick in, in their mock drafts right now but he ends up being a first round pick. It's going to be, you know, who can nail those numbers 24 through 32. Um, you know, who's actually going to go in the first round in, in, in that range. A hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going with Tyler Smith, if that happens, you're definitely going to be up on the other people. He's a, a, a raw upside offensive lineman, probably not somebody ready to help a ton off the bat, but his potential is going to be really intriguing for some teams. So Tampa Bay gets the offensive lineman at 27, 28. So I, we, I had the Packers taking Traylon Burks, the wide receiver at 22, probably should hopefully satisfy Aaron Rodgers there. I would maybe consider an offensive tackle for him, but I don't know if I see anybody that I'm that interested in. I do see Nicobe Dean sitting here and boy, I just think the Packers could use linebacker. And that's the guy I think could make a big impact right off the bat. So we're just going to not overthink this too much and not going to worry about how tall or short he is. 
we're going to focus on the playmaking. Nicobe Dean, linebacker, Georgia to the Packers at 28. And that's who I had to the Packers uh, in my latest mock. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Chiefs at 29. Now we each get to take uh, one pick for the Chiefs because they draft back to back. I'm just going to go right away, right out and, and take a wide receiver. And that's Jahan Dotson. Now this could be George Pickens. It could be a variety of, of players. But I think that Jahan Dotson uh, best complements Juju Smith-Schuster and Marcus Valdez-Scantling right now. Um, he has been uh, as a potential number one. I think that Juju Smith-Schuster has kind of shown that he's a role player. Marcus Valdez-Scantling is an obvious role player. Jahan Dotson has drawn some comparisons to Tyler Lockett, who I think is a true number one, really, in Seattle, or at least he has been for the last five years with Russell Wilson. Um, I I think he'd be a great pick for them. Uh, That's who I have them taking. He just feels like a chief in my head. (laughs) It just feels like a guy that makes sense for them. Uh, the, the Chiefs with the two picks here, 29 and 30, plus what do they have, 12 picks in total? This is a team screaming to make a, a, a trade up. And I would say, like, if I'm, you know, maybe even Washington at 11 or the Texans at 13, this is where if I'm the Chiefs, especially if you want a, a receiver to replace Tyreek Hill, you, you make a deal with 29 and some of these other picks to move up to get whichever one of these guys is there that you like. I think that would make a ton of sense. But we're not doing trades here. All right, I, I'm going to go a little off the board here to a degree. I don't know, maybe, maybe you won't think so. If they keep the pick, the Chiefs are in position to win now, but it also means they're in a little bit of a luxury to wait on somebody. And by that, I mean, can you take the, a, a guy who would have been top 10, arguably, pre before he suffered an injury and then get this guy to build on for, for next year? So uh, if they keep this, I'm going to go with David Ojabo, the defensive end, linebacker, from Michigan, you get the fifth year. I mean, you're, he's not going to play this year because of the Achilles. That's maybe not ideal. But again, they have so many picks. It's not like they're not going to get help from rookies. So I think if they keep it, it gives them a chance to get a guy who would have been top 10, top 12 otherwise. So we'll go David Ajabo, uh, edge rusher, linebacker from Michigan. That's pretty interesting. You know, um, these Achilles injuries are brutal. However, recently, you know, with the uh, modern medical stuff, like people have been making recovery. Cam Akers came back from a torn Achilles in less than a year. Right. He wasn't very good. Right. But even but, like, you know, I know different sport, yeah. but like, you know, Kevin Durant coming back. Kevin from one Durant. And- uh, do you remember Jeffrey Simmons coming out of uh, one of the Mississippi schools? He was, um, he was an absolute stud in college towards ACL or uh, towards Achilles. I, I think it was his, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was his Achilles. I was like, I can't believe that the Titans are taking this guy in the first round. They did, and he is an absolute stud for them. So I think teams are becoming more confident in the, rec- in the, the Achilles recoveries, certainly the ACL recoveries, but the Achilles were, were have, have historically been more tricky. And um, I, it would be interesting. It, it would be interesting. It's, it's not crazy to think that that could happen. Um, so that brings us to number 31, the Bengals. I'm taking Logan Hall, Houston Ooh. defensive lineman can play inside and out kind of reminds me a little bit of Carlos Dunlap, the old, uh, you know, he played for the Bengals for many, many years was really one of the most underrated edge players in the league, but Logan Hall can kick inside. And there's just been a lot. This is another team that they, they tend to telegraph their picks. And I've seen a ton of buzz, like from the Joe Goodberry hive, and Joe Goodberry, nobody's more plugged into the Bengals. Not even the, the beat writers are as plugged into the Bengals as Joe Goodberry. So if you're trying to figure out what the Bengals are going to do, monitor Joe Goodberry. And I think that they, they're going to pull the trigger here on, on Logan Hall. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking defensive tackle, like if the Devontae White uh, yeah. slip is real. Yeah. Bengals historically have kind of, you know, I don't know what's going on with his off-the-field stuff, but like historically have kind of not worried too much about some potential personal uh, frets in the, uh, off the field. So that would make sense. The cornerback for them would make sense. A guy like Daxton Hill is still on the board. And, you know, Daxton Hill is a name I'm really considering here at 32 for the, for the Lions. It would make a ton of sense. But, man, the, at the, in this mock draft, only Malik Willis has been picked at quarterback. We know the deal. You, you take a quarterback here. You get that fifth-year option. 
you know, say whatever you want about Jared Goff. I probably don't think he's as terrible as other people do, but he's also probably not right. the long-term answer. So it kind of makes sense for a team like Detroit to throw a dart here. If they stink next year, fine. They can go draft. They, if they're in a the position to get Bryce Young or CJ Stratt or whatever, they can do that too. But it seems worth the risk here at this point. So again, I don't know if Kenny Pickett's got the most upside. For what it's worth, I'm probably going to try to have Willis Pickett and Desmond Ritter in my first round in theory. So Ritter was probably the guy I would have here, but in this board, I'll go with Kenny Pickett quarterback Pittsburgh to the lions at 32. I did. I had a uh, Ritter to uh, Detroit in my uh, last mock draft, but um, I think everybody, everyone would be surprised a little bit if Kenny Pitt, if Kenny Pickett fell to number 32, just because we've seen him as high as number six in mock drafts, but it just goes to show the volatility of this draft, especially at the quarterback position. And the quarterback position really plays such a role in dictating how the rest of the draft goes. It's going to be a wild one, man. It's going to be a wild one. I, I feel like my mock draft is, is either going to be good or like really bad, like really bad. A hundred percent. I like, yeah. I, 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 I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to make the excuse early to people, but I may I may not be bringing this mock draft up again for the rest of my life, depending on how it goes. It could be, I mean, like I said, even the very first pick, I would probably go, like I said, Aiden Hutchinson, you've got Walker, and off yeah. the bat, what, no. to, to lose the first pick is a disaster right. in, yep. the, in this scenario. So yep. that could be a thing. Um, before I let you go, you mentioned some bets along the way here. Any other one or two ones that you guys are kind of like or over and establish the run that people should uh, think yeah, about I mean, or, or anything that you guys they, have to – they move like literally minute to minute, you know, the, uh, the, the odds. And, right. and you got to be very cognizant of the odds. Um, I like betting Derek Stingley to go uh, very early in this draft. Um, so any ways that you can, that you could bet, you could bet him to go top five. You could try to connect him to the Texans. I know for sure that the Texans are into him. It might not be at three. I don't think he's going to last to 13, but I could see them being the team that trades up to number six with the Panthers, who we know want to trade out for them to go get Stingley after they pick at, at three. So just any ways that you can bet on Derek Stingley to like a very safe bet, I think is Derek Stingley top 10 actually is, is over under on DraftKings is 10 and a half. So to bet his under just so that he goes in the top 10 and that's about even money, a, a little bit, a little bit minus, but I, I think that's a very safe bet. All right. I like that. Um, before I let you go, I didn't want to interrupt the flow of the draft, but I, I have you here. I guess I need to ask, yeah. what do you kind of make of where, where Washington is right now? They obviously made the big move for Carson Wentz, yeah. but beyond that, they've been pretty quiet. But what, what's your sense of kind of where they're at at this point? Uh, it's been about the same for the last, you know, since I started covering the team, you know, that you, you got a big problem up top and you can even install great guys at the, at the coaching level and, have, you know, a, a pretty decent level of talent and, and all that. And you still, there's just this obstacle that you just, you can't, you can't overcome it until it goes away. You're hoping that it goes away, but that's been the problem for, you know, for so long. And it, it, it gets, it's tiring to talk about, but you, you know, no they, idea. what they had that, what's that, what's the graphic where they had Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, all the, how do you mess this up? How do you mess that up? And, you know, there's an answer there and it sucks. We got to, and I, I wish we didn't have to talk about it, but it's, 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 it's not going away or, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it will go away, but it, it hasn't gone away for way too long. All true. I was saying like, you, you I, I couldn't agree with you more when you say you're tired of talking about it. Trust me. Yeah. Tired of talking about it. Uh, not tired of talking about uh, why people should go check out Establish the Run. Evan and his group do a great job. Uh, for sure. And uh, go check him out. And of course, at Evan Silva on Twitter, he's a must follow all time of the year for the NFL, but especially here at draft time. Uh, always a pleasure, my guy. Good to see you. And, uh, yep. and I'll see you on the Establish the Run podcast on what Monday night. I believe so. Well, I guess we're going to sort of awesome. reverse it and I'll be part of your group doing a, a, a yes, similar sir. version. I think you guys were having four people for that one. Yep, me, you, Scott Smith, and uh, Adam Levitan. Yeah, so. should be should be fun. All right, man, I appreciate sure. it. We'll we'll, we'll talk uh, in a couple of days. Of course. All right, many thanks to Evan Silva for his time. Thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. 
More to come here on the Standard Room Only podcast. The draft is almost here. Uh, next episode, like I said, my plan is to sort of dump out the notebook, get into a bunch of details, and uh, I already have a, a, a fun one, a fun interview there to discuss the first round as well. But that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time, see ya.